Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Well, we're continuing our series in the book of Daniel on living for God in an ungodly culture. And if you haven't been able to listen to this series, let me encourage you, go back, fill in the blanks of the ones that you missed, because I believe God wants to strengthen you. He actually wants to equip you in your life through this book of Daniel. And I've just so appreciated how God has continued to speak through this book to us in our lives and for our families. And as, really, as your pastor, my, my desire and what I believe God has asked me to do is to equip you, to equip you with the word, to equip you to live your life in this moment in time. And this time in our culture, he's called me to equip you through the word, not through my, what I think, but through what he believes and what he thinks and what he wrote in his word. And so to equip your families, to equip teenagers, to equip young adults who are, who are living for God in an ungodly culture or on a campus or in your school, I believe God wants to equip you. I'm not intimidated by an ungodly culture. They, it, it excites me that we can shine like stars. We can shine like guiding lights for them in their brokenness, and we can be there for them, but you need to be equipped to do so. Now, I believe it's not getting harder. I don't think it's getting harder to live for God because the disciples went through a lot of stuff, a lot of persecution. The church over church history has always faced persecution, some more in certain seasons of their, of their existence. I don't believe it's getting harder, but what I believe is happening in our culture is that the life of a Christian is becoming more and more distinct to the life of those who don't know God. And so when you become more distinct, when you be, remain who God's called you to remain, what happens is you attract more attention. You attack, you attract more attention. You then become, it's very noticeable that you're different. You should be, but as the world and the ungodly culture gets darker, your light shines brighter. Amen. So I believe, and as you do that, you attract more attention and it causes you to stand out just as Daniel has stood out through this book. It's also very important to understand this. And I want to reiterate this quickly before I get into this message. There is an agenda of the ungodly culture that we're in. There is an agenda. There is a purpose. There is a, 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 a message. There is a, a, something they are wanting to get into your life, into your heart. Now, as I've said all along, culture is not the enemy. They are victims of the culture. They are victims of it, but they are they are pawns, they are puppets in the hands of Satan, of the enemy. But their agenda, and hear me quickly today, is to systematically deconstruct truth and replace it with their truth, with culture's truth. Friends, this agenda, as I've already stated, is so important you understand it is controlled by the enemy of our souls, Satan. And his agenda, and has been from the very beginning, is to deceive you, to indoctrinate you, your children, your grandchildren, your mind, your spouse, to, to get you to fear your beliefs in the Bible, to get you to doubt this is the truth. 
This is the plumb line. This is the baseline for our lives. To get you to fear through culture and pressure so that you will muzzle the message God has given you to share, to keep you from speaking the good news of Jesus Christ. Verses. Actually, the cultures that get you to actually start propagating their doctrine versus God's doctrine. But the culture that the enemy uses wants to also, wants you to adapt to it, wants you to say what they say is good is good versus what God says in his word. The enemy's agenda for your life and for your family is to destroy everything. Now, I want you to please hear this today, is to destroy everything God created to be a blessing to humankind, to deconstruct everything God created to bring order to families, for families, to bring order to government, society, justice, procreation, pleasure. And the agenda is to aggressively attack. Listen, I hope you understand. This is not a passive agenda. It is an active agenda. It is happening. And yes, the enemy's target is all of mankind, all of humankind. That's one of his agendas, but I believe the main agenda is to infiltrate the church. I believe the main agenda is to indoctrinate believers with another belief system so that they cannot, now hear me today, so they cannot partner with God to push back the gates of hell. The church's design by God is to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, to be redeemed, and to now be agents of the kingdom of God, to push back the darkness of the world. So when you are indoctrinated, if when you're indoctrinated by culture, you get yourself out of, the, out of line of the authority that God originally called you to have. The enemy is freaked out of you living the life God's called you and anointed you to live. And how he, how he eliminates your impact is by infiltrating your mind, your heart, your values with his. And he does it through culture. And people and believers who actually don't believe that's actually going on, it's very likely you are deceived. The agenda is evident. And before I continue, it's important that, that I remind you that this series is not for those who go by the title Christian. Because as you know, the, the word Christian has been redefined by culture. The agenda of the enemy has made its way into the church and people say, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. But what does that really mean now, right? What does that mean? And so Christianity or the word Christian has been defined by all, all different types of groups, humanistic agendas. And this series is for those who aren't going just by the title of Christian. This series is for those who are desiring to follow Jesus, desiring to submit their lives under God in total surrender 
to his lordship and total surrender to submission to Jesus Christ and total surrender and submission to the word of God. And when these type of people fail, you know what they do? They repent for their failure. They don't justify it by culture. They repent as they, as they fail, and we all will. So we'll let that go. Just take a number, get in the line. We're all going to fail. But when we do, we don't justify our failure through what culture says. We, we repent for our failures, fail, failures because of what the Word of God says. This is our baseline. So another way of saying this, this, uh, this series is for those who are pursuing a life that's fulfilling, pursuing a life full of impact, pursuing a life that is life-giving, that's protected and anointed by God, that's impactful, that's purposeful, that's full of joy, a life open for God to use it however God sees fit. It's a life that's free of regret and full of healing and full of hope, a life that doesn't see an ungodly culture as the enemy, but sees those without Jesus and those being consumed and deceived by culture as victims of the enemy, and you live your life to reach, to love, to serve, and by your life, you show a contrast to the broken life that they're living, and they come to you and want to know, why is it different? Why are you different? There's something life-giving about you. Now, to some, you will be a fragrance of life. To some, you will be a fragrance of death, and they will hate you. But this series is for those that know living that life is going to cause me to suffer. There's going to be some suffering. But as 1 Peter says, we know it's for a little while that we will suffer. That, but God himself will restore you. He will make you strong. He will make you firm. And he will make you steadfast. And as we continue on our series in Daniel today... It's been evident up to chapter 6 that we're coming into that Daniel's a man of courage. He has demonstrated courage time and time again. He has lived uncompromising in a very dark culture and became one of the most influential leaders in the greatest empire of the world at the time. It's important to realize, though, that his influence was not just the result of his courage. Because courage, yes, it's important. And though his life took courage, it's not what gave him the impact. And yes, God's hand was on his life, but there was something else. And I want you to catch today, this, was, this is what the message is about today. God lifted Daniel up. God used Daniel because Daniel chose to cooperate with God, to submit under his word, and to live a life of biblical integrity. And that lifestyle of integrity caused him to end up in a very significant position, but it also caused him to end up in a lion's den, in a pit, surrounded by lions, both. But for him, he was able to serve eight kings over 80 years to be a mouthpiece of God and a friend of God. This happened because Daniel chose to live a life of integrity and faithfulness to the word of God. And when you look at Daniel's life, you think, man, that's success. That would be success. 
Well, when he's in the lion's den, which is the chapter we're in today, and I'll talk about that next week. But in the lion's den, you don't think, boy, that's success. Nobody thinks that. But we have to be aware that culture tries to define to us what success really is. True success by culture is defined by their acceptance of us. They've led us in the club. They've, they're, they're, they're cheering us on. Culture has accepted me, therefore I am successful. But also it's about prestige, power, possessions, and position that culture says that's successful. But the reality of culture is this, that it, it possesses and actually gives no definition for what it means to achieve internal success, heart success, success in our homes, in our minds, in our relationships. Now, there's nothing wrong with striving to be successful. I think all of us should strive to, to, for everything we do to bring glory to God. I think we should strive that God would, would use us and we would do our best at everything we do. It's, 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 it's not selfish to ask God to bless you, to give you success in the area he's gifted you and called you. There's nothing wrong with that. But we must understand as believers that there really is no real success in life without integrity. I, I don't want to get to the end of my life. And I think of this often and realize that the ladder of my life that I've been climbing was actually leaning against the wrong wall. I don't want that. I, I, I don't want to do that. And I am committed to not do that. But I want the ladder of my life to be leaning on the wall of obedience to my God. I want the ladder of my life to be a ladder of integrity. And because of that, when I die, the ladder won't go in a box with me in the ground. It will remain for others to climb, others to see, my children's children's children to know that's a life of integrity. Dr. Uh, Dr. Russ Fraze, who is one of my mentors and closest friends as well, who's gone on to be with the Lord, he wrote a book called Fight for Integrity. We actually are selling it today. Um, we have a limited amount, and so if you want to grab one, you can do that. If, if you are serious about a life of integrity, this, this book is for you. Dr. Russ lived a life of integrity, and God used him to impact the nations around the world and raise up thousands and thousands of other pastors and leaders. But this is a quote from this book. He said this, the blessing of our integrity will outlive us and guide others in the right path long after we are dancing the streets of gold. The impact and influence are eternal. I'm still climbing the ladder and learning from the ladder of Dr. Russ's integrity. While he's dancing, lucky dog, we're here. So when we come to chapter 6 today of Daniel, I want to remind us of how we, we got here. The end of chapter 5 ended in this interesting night as the hand showed up in this party of Belshazzar who was mocking God. And began to write something on the, on the wall which said, basically said, you're done. Your time's up. The last two verses, chapter 5, that very night, Belshazzar, king of Babylon, 
was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So from the end of chapter 5, we now step into chapter 1, and we begin this text today. And the scripture says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, which really just governors and leaders, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give, give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. In other words, this is checks and balances in a governmental structure. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all others, all other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit, say excellent spirit. An excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. This is what I want to talk about today, this excellent spirit. Daniel's excellent spirit was a spirit of integrity. Everything he did, he did well. Everything he did, he did right. He remained faithful to God. His integrity was not based on his performance. His integrity was based on his desire to obey and to follow God and to honor God with his life. The word integrity, it's mentioned 21 times in the Bible. It means to have the, your innermost being, the different parts of your life. Now catch this, interconnected to a consistent standard in which all of your actions, all the actions of your life flow from that standard. They're interconnected. This was the life of Daniel. We see it time and time and time again. Everything flowed from his relationship with his God. For believers, integrity today practically looks like you're, you're honest in your business. You're honest in your speech. You give selflessly of your time, your resources. You avoid profanity. You don't slander. You're not gossiping. People of integrity today as believers don't betray confidentiality. When they make a commitment, they follow through. They treat others well even if they don't know them. When they fail, in some way, in their journey of integrity, they say, I was wrong. They take responsibility for their errors. They don't look for someone to blame or someone to pin the, 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 ta the tail of the donkey on. They look deeply within. They are people of integrity. True integrity, it's really rare in our culture. I don't even know if it's rare. I think it's missing in our culture. But it's missing because culture can't define what integrity is. There's nothing within them that can actually define what integrity is because integrity is knowing right and wrong, choosing right over wrong. But in a culture that defines what right and wrong is by the majority of people who think what is right is right and what is wrong is wrong, it's constantly moving. There is no real integrity. There's, there's conformity but there's not integrity. True integrity is about living from a value system that is greater than you in which regardless of your feelings, regardless of what you want, that value system remains superior. And for believers, it is the word of God that remains superior. So I wanna get into this message today about living a life of integrity in an ungodly culture and what we can learn from Daniel chapter 6. Number one, 
Integrity positions us. Integrity positions you for an increase of influence. It positions you for promotion. In an ungodly culture, it's, it's usually about, as we hear all the time, listen, it's not what you know, it's what? It's who you know. But actually, in the kingdom of God, for believers that are committed and submitted to the word of God, it's not about who you know, it's, it's about what you are as a person, which will open the door for influence. Integrity. There's a statement about Daniel that I, I want you to catch. We've, we've looked at it already. It says the king planned, his, the, whole, the whole plan was to give to Daniel the, the leadership, the authority, the one who oversees underneath him the whole kingdom. Why? Scripture says because an excellent spirit was in him. And because of this integrity, one, King Darius obviously had heard about him, but he'd never met him. Here he was, there's Daniel. There was something about Daniel that was different. I can trust this guy. There's something about how he carries himself that's different. There's something about he's just not like everybody else. And so God saw fit because of Daniel's integrity to move on the heart of the king to promote him, to give him more influence. And I really believe of all the great men and women in history, Daniel ranks as one of the greatest leaders that overcame so much. His integrity ran to the core of who he was. I mean, think about everything that he had to walk through. Think about what he had to deal with in the culture that he was in. He was someone who was ripped from his home. He was placed in Babylon, which was another race, so he was not of the same race. He had been abused. He had lost his home. He lost his family. But he had not lost his relationship with his God and the commitment to be a man of integrity. He didn't blame anybody. He didn't run around saying, woe is me. He said, no, I'm going to be a man of integrity. Because people of integrity don't run around and do that. And he was faithful. And his integrity, now hear me today, attracted, attracted God's favor. Attracted God's favor. Listen, I, you need to know something today. Favor is not fair. It's because God is doing something in your life because of God chose to do it. Well, that's not fair. You're right. It's favor. God's hands on my life. Well, that's not fair. I think someone else deserves it. That's fine. God has placed favor on your life. You need to look for it. You need to find it. You need to understand as you, as you live a life of integrity, God is waiting to give you more influence. Don't worry about fair. God is just enough to know where he wants you to be and he will place you there. Favor, let's, let's be Southern. Favor ain't fair, right? That's why it's called favor. You can walk in that. You need to understand that. And if you are deciding today, you know what, I need, I need these areas of my life to be integritous. I need, I need to, God, I'm asking you today, you need to know something. God will increase your influence. God will use you. God will promote you. That's one of the, that's one of the, the manifestations of integrity is it attracts God's favor. 2 Samuel says this, to the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. God loves those who live by integrity. 
But also what we learn from the story is that God has increases for influence over Daniel's life. He has increases for you. He has promotions for you as you choose to live a life of integrity. But there are also other effects in your life as well. And you need to be aware of this. I want you to understand. I want you to be equipped. This is the world we live in. Let's understand it. Integrity positions you for promotion and increase of influence. But it also, number two, integrity positions you to be attacked by, un, by an ungodly culture. You need to be aware. I don't, know, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but when God shows favor on your life, when he breathes on you, when he opens a door that only he could have opened, it will multiply your enemies. It just will. Some will even be godly. It's called jealousy. But the blessing of the righteous, when you are living for God in an ungodly culture, will stir up the jealousy of the wicked. After Daniel's promotion, after he was giving the, the, the realm or giving the leadership of the, the whole kingdom, the whole realm, this is what we find happens. Beginning in verse 4, at this, at the promotion, at the increase of influence, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. So they thought, you know what, man, we got we to gotta figure out a way to discredit this guy. So they go back, probably all the records they're trying to find. Did he pay his taxes? What did he do here? And how did he say this? And has he had any, did he, did he do things right? Did he keep the right records over here? And as they go through everything, they find out, shoot, he did. They don't have anything on them. But that's the first thing. They, they want to they make sure they know what's going on under the hood because they are trying to remove him. It has attracted an attack from an ungodly culture and people. And when you're living for God in an ungodly culture, when you choose to conduct yourself with integrity, when you're anchored to God's word, when you're anchored to who God is, the ungodly, I'm just telling you, will try to take you down. Because your integrity, the integrity of your life to the word, to truth, in many situations is perceived and seen as a threat to the values of the ungodly culture. And ungodly culture cannot allow anyone's belief system to be a threat to theirs. They demand absolute total conformity while saying they celebrate diversity. It's crazy. But you just need to understand that's okay. If an ungodly culture doesn't like you, if there are people that are wicked, they don't like God's hand on your life because you're choosing to live integrity. You need to know something. You're doing good. If you are getting along with every group and every group of people and no one knows or thinks that you're different than them, people who are serving the enemy, people who are propagating culture that's contrary to the word of God, they don't know you're different, I guarantee you, you're not facing any pushback. And if you're not facing any pushback or whatever it may be in your life, you need to ask yourself why. I'm not saying you're, you're to be cranky. Well, I'll, I'll go be mean to someone. No, that's not the fruit of the spirit. You're called to love and serve people. 
So well, let's get that off the table. What I'm talking about is because of your lifestyle, because you, ch- you choose to do what's right, it intimidates people because it makes them, it highlights the areas of their life they don't think is wrong, but your life points it out to them. And you need to know something. In, in moments of accusation, your integrity will give you confidence. But listen to what Jesus said. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, now look, it would love you as its own. It's called a pregnant pause. You just let that sit there for a bit. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, friends, they will persecute you also. You're like, great, Jason. I'm so glad I came to church today. Yay. Like, yay. (laughs) But the truth is this. Your integrity will give you confidence when this is happening in your life. Daniel had confidence because he knew. Listen, they can try to find something wrong, but uh -uh, I've been a man of integrity. I've held firm to what I I believe and what I know is true. And then it goes on, the, the, the second half of verse four says, they could not. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Integrity protects you in the midst of accusation. It gives you confidence. I'm not saying you won't be persecuted. I'm not saying you won't get lawsuits. I'm not saying people won't make false accusations. But you need to know something. You are in good company. There's no greater feeling, though, in those moments than when something's being said about you, something's being ran in the paper or on some blog or on some news station or happening in your, in your, in your workplace or you have this group of people that you, that you go to school with and they're, being, they're saying things about you that you know aren't true and you can't even defend yourself. You can stand with a clear conscience before God and before your own heart because you know you're innocent because you have lived a life of integrity. Daniel always did what he should. He never did what he should not. That's why it's so important, now catch this for a moment, so important for you to guard the pathway of your life with integrity. Integrity is the guardrails of your life. You protect your life with integrity because the enemy, now. Think about this. The enemy will try to get you to compromise here so then later he can reveal the compromise and discredit you. If you get promoted because of, you, you said, well, I know it's not totally right, but I'm going to do it anyway. Listen, you need to understand the same, the same reason you were promoted will be the same reason you are demoted. 
If you are promoted because God's hand is on my life, that means if you're demoted, it means God's hand's on my life. He's ordering my steps. If you're promoted because you did something that was not right, it was shady, it was no one ever knew, you, you skewed this and you did this, and so you kind of made yourself, you manipulated your way, guess what? You will be removed by that same manipulation. But when you live a life of integrity, you stand strong and confident. My life is in God's hands. So as you're living your life of integrity, false accusations cannot find a place to land. The enemy will then shift strategy. The ungodly culture that's really used by the enemy will, will, will shift strategy. So if they can't get you with point two, they will get you with point three. Integrity can cause evil men and women to try to entrap you. They create a scenario to say, gotcha. This is the reality, my friends, of living for God in an ungodly culture. This is not to discourage you. It's just to equip you, for you to see the strategies of the enemy. From Genesis chapter 3, it's, it, 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 God said that there would be constant hostility between the people of God and the people of Satan. We see this play out here in Daniel. Because they couldn't find anything real to stick on Daniel, they're going to they're paint him in a corner. We go to verse 5. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charge against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. So they buttered him up a little bit, manipulated him a little bit. So these administrators, did they come back up? All right, the royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed. Now look, look, so they go to the king. Hey, may the king live forever. Yay, you like us. Look, it says all of them have agreed. No, they haven't. Daniel was not in this discussion. It's manipulation. It's the twisting of truth. It's, it's, a, it's a, most of them, but not all of them, agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issued the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. It's a, an executive order. So King Darius put the decree in the writing that, well, okay, all of my advisors think this. No. But it was deceptive. So now the strategy has changed. They're now going to trap him through his faith and his devotion to God. They knew Daniel, because of this edict, because of this order, had to choose now between honoring God or the values of this culture. And they know because he's, they know who he is, he will choose his God and then we're gonna have him right where we want him. My friends, this strategy has not changed one bit since Daniel. This will happen to us. This may happen to you. Could be something at work, could be a policy implemented, it could be, and all of that is strategy of the enemy to get you either to conform or to be fired. This may happen. 
but nothing is worth your integrity. You need to know this, church. Nothing is worth your integrity. Integrity is what gives you confidence. Integrity is what allows you to stand before God. Integrity is what holds your feet fast. In the midst of the storms, in the midst of accusations, in the midst of, of this scheme to paint you in a corner so you realize I'm, I, I'm not going to violate what I believe. I'm not going to violate the word of God. I'm not going to submit to culture. I will hold fast to the king of the universe and the word of God that will remain forever. That's what I'm going to do. So when you feel like you're being painted into a corner, when you feel like you're in a lose-lose situation, you need to remember Daniel. You need to remember Daniel. You need to remember his life of integrity. You need to remember the faithfulness of this man of God. Don't get all worked up. I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult, but don't get all worked up when it feels like an ungodly culture is trying to annihilate you. Listen, you put a smile on your face. You remember, I am in good company with Daniel. I am in good company with Jesus. I am in good company with Peter. I am in good company with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I am in good company. Jesus said this in verse 11 of Matthew chapter 5, blessed are you when people insult you. How many of you have been insulted and been like, I feel so blessed, thank you. But Jesus is actually, you're blessed. When people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you, why? Because of me. It always reminds me of the disciples who had they, they, they were leaving the city. They'd been persecuted. They'd been chased down and ran down, and, and they left. And there's this line in the book of Acts that just moves me every time I read it. It says, as they left, they found they were, they were, they were rejoicing because they had been found worthy to suffer persecution for the name. They were, they were so rejoiced. We were found worthy to suffer persecution for the name of our Savior. They knew, they remembered what Jesus had said earlier. They remembered that persecution is going to come. And because if you are persecuted on behalf of Jesus, it means that you are walking with Jesus. We need to understand it's going to happen. But blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Blessed are you. Number four, a life of integrity remains faithful to God no matter what. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but integrity says, uh-uh. I know what I feel. I know what I, I'm wanting to do, but no, 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 no. I have a superior God, and I'm going to remain true to him. Verse 10, Daniel 6. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, I, I just love this. He went home. So he learned, it's on. They're coming after me. <laughs> he went home to his upstairs room where the, win and where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And then three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So listen. He wasn't doing this out of defiance. He wasn't doing this like, oh my gosh, I'm in a crisis. I better go pray. I better go seek God. No, no. This is part integrity. It's just a part of his life. 
He just did what he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So Daniel gets word, hey, they're coming after you. Daniel gets word, it's a law, it's been put into place. Daniel gets word, don't do what we always see. Daniel, it's not gonna be good for you. Executive order's been made. No other gods are gonna be worshiped. So he says, okay, I'm gonna do what I've always done because I'm a man of integrity. Because he's a man of integrity, he chooses obedience to God rather than obedience to man. He continued the spiritual pattern, spiritual devotion that has marked his life for years. You can't tell me Daniel didn't have some apprehension. Of course he's a human being. Of course he did. Just like if, if you knew you were going into work or you knew you were going to a situation that, that you, it's what God told you to do, what he called you to live for, it's going to be challenged and you could lose your job. There would be apprehension. I know there had to be for Daniel. But that concern of what will happen to me, that concern did not override that which is of greater value and greater worth to him. So he continued to pray as he had always done. At first it seems defiant, like, man, Daniel's a rebel. It seemed, it seemed rebellious. But in reality, it was just the fruit of his life, lived in integrity for the purposes of God. See, D Daniel's prayer wasn't done out of a, a spirit of pride it was just done. If it, was, it was the public testimony of his life. It was a public statement. Now think about this. By Daniel. About the glory of God. The glory of Yahweh. His God will reign forever over the glory of Darius. I don't think so. My God gets the glory. It was a decision he had made in the integrity of his heart. Remember Daniel was 80 years old. Right now he's like, I don't give a rip. Do what you want with me. I'm 80. But actually, this was, the, this was the journey of his life. He had honored God this manner, this way, all the days of his life in Babylon. And so for him, some measly temporary king would not cause him to stop now, not for a month, not for a moment. I will remain true to my God. Why was he able to do that? There was something he determined in his heart. Question for us today. I'm not, I'm, I'm not leaning into this to cause any issues whatsoever, but there's a question for you to determine in your heart. What if the government asks you to do something God forbids in his word? Or what if the government forbids you to do something that God commands you are to do in his word? This, at this moment, this is where integrity is crucial. True integrity does not obey God with a bad attitude towards culture and see, I'll show you and I, I'll get to do. No, no, no. They just obey God because they are people of integrity. They're not doing it to prove a point. They're doing it to honor and love their God who's been faithful to them and they will not turn their back on him. 
Daniel was a man of consistency. His daily communion with God shaped his character no matter what came his way. Daniel lived with a very strong awareness. Now listen to, listen to me today, please. He lived with a strong awareness that Babylon was not his home. He was an ambassador from a greater kingdom. And that, that kingdom determined how he was to live his life. That kingdom determined the word of God is what you're to base your life on. That kingdom determined because he was of that kingdom. Please hear me today. Do not forget your identity. Do not let an ungodly culture tell you who you are, who you are to be, how you're to conform. Don't, do not let Christians who have been indoctrinated by the world tell you, you can't say that. You can't, you can't believe that. You can't base your life on the word of God. You, listen, you be a person that's like Daniel. You hold strong. You hold right. You do it in love, but you do not budge. You do not move. Dare to be a Daniel. That's what this world needs. But you're able to do that, my friends. Because you don't lose sight of which kingdom you belong to. This world is not <laughs> your home. But you are on a mission from your kingdom as an ambassador, is what Paul says in Corinthians, as an ambassador from your kingdom to reach this world and live in a way that is a guiding light for the lost and, and to the broken. It is what God's called you to do. We're not to hunker down in a corner and say, oh, Lord, get me out of here. It's too bad. No, no, no. You're to stand up straight and hang on. I am from the kingdom of God. I have come here to give you a contrast between the broken life that's destroying your life, your children's life. And I'm going to tell you the life of integrity that I'm living shows you that there is a greater God that wants a relationship with you. That's what you are to do. You're to love. You're to serve. You're not to be arrogant. You're not to be harsh. You're to be kind and loving like Jesus but you're not to move. Peter writes when he's writing to the church who is suffering persecution, he says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners, as aliens, as exiles, to abstain from sinful desires. How do you know something's sinful? Tell me. The Bible. You're right. The Bible. So Peter is letting them know, listen, you're going to have confidence. Abstain from sinful desire. You, yes, the Holy Spirit convicts us. Yes, I understand that. But the word of God is what we base our life on. Had to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, amongst the ungodly culture, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In other words, hey, real quick, one day the leader of my kingdom's coming back. He's coming. And when he does, I'm going to stand before him. And he's going to say, nice work, son. He's going to say, the persecution, this for a short while, Calvary's arrived. I'm here. He's going to visit us. And we're going to be able to be with God. We're going to be stand before him with clear heart, clear conscience. God, I remain true to you. God, I will remain true to you. 
God, I've committed my life to you. Listen, we need to understand, friends. There is an agenda, an all-out, straight-up, not-hidden attack against our children. Against indoctrinating them with stuff that's crazy. That's contrary to the Bible. Listen, I want you to fight for your family. I want you to stop listening to what culture says. Oh, you know, th this is what real love is. This is really what, it, what, what, what culture you should do. Th listen, when in church history has God's people taken their cues, taken instruction from the world that's trying to discredit their God and their Savior? Never. And we're in it today, and you need to know, parents, it's time. It's time you say, hang on a second. No, no, no. We're going to be people of integrity in this house. Your child comes home, yeah, but, I, you know, so-and-so says love, love is love. No, hang on. Hang on. I, I appreciate that. But the truth is, what does God's Word say? What does God's Word say about marriage? What does God's Word say about gender? What does God's Word say about justice? What does God's Word say about taking care of the poor? What does God's Word say about about living a life in the midst of a dark culture. Listen, your kid's like, well, I don't like that. It doesn't matter, you're in my house. The Word of God says this. That's what we're gonna do. It's time, you, you've, you've gotta get the compromise out of your house. Get it out of your house. That's why we're passionate here at Faith. God has given us the ability to have Faith Christian Academy. so that we can be a biblically-based, Christ-centered, offer that education for people, for children, that the devil is dancing over their souls. As some teacher tells them something that's contrary to the Bible, and somehow that teacher is right. No, teacher, not right. Darius, not bowing. I will bow to God and to the Word only. That's what I will do. That's, that's what you have to do. And we're, we're praying, we believe that God wants to rescue and save a whole generation of our children of this church. And we're praying God makes us a way to make our school more available to more people because we believe in it. And people come into the school with, a, with a, a mindset of the world. They do. We have kids who come in, they, might, they, they've been, they have been indoctrinated and taught by the demonic agenda of God of demonic culture. That's what they do. We, we, and we're desirous to unwind that and get, and get the Word of God in their life because Satan wants to destroy them, wants to destroy families, wants to destroy the future. He wants to. We will not allow that. We will stay strong in integrity. And that's what God wants us to do, like Daniel, to stand. We realize. We realize that God's called us to shine. He's called us to be different. Will we be persecuted? Yes. Will false things be said about us? Yes. It's happened. Total lies. That's fine. We stand in good company. My God is greater than anything. Whatever you're facing, your God's greater than. Stand strong. Be integritous. So what if today you realize, man, 
Maybe there are areas in my life that I have failed. Maybe this, it's time for your own home. Fathers, the, the greatest example you can pass on to your children. It's not a house. It's not a checking account. It's this is what it means to live a life of integrity. It's the greatest thing you could pass on. All those other things, that, that's not wrong. But it's not the greatest thing. We need to know. What do we do then, Jason? If the, I, I realize maybe the Holy Spirit's pinpointing areas of your life. You know, I need, I need integrity. Maybe it's in my marriage. Integrity in my finances. You know, I need to start putting God's kingdom first. My relationship with my kids. You know what? I've got, I've got to get stuff off my phone that allows me to compromise. I, I, I'm going to live a life. I'm going to be like Daniel. You know what? I'm, I'm going to bring the value of church again back into my family. Because it matters. God's people, your children, you need to be around God's people. I'm not, we're not to be legalistic about it. I, things happen, vacation and what are games, it happens. But no, church is invaluable, it is important. Your children need to be in children's ministry. They need to have a youth pastor that cares for them and prays over them and be a part of other leaders that speak into them. They need that in their life. Where are they getting it if they don't get it? At the church. Even, even children, parents today, they, they say, you know, I, I just, I want my, my kid's faith to be, your, to be there, so I don't want to force them to go to church. And so my question is, do you force them to go to school? Does Johnny wake up? I don't want to go. I don't, I'm tired. Okay. No, you're like, get your butt out of bed. Come on, come on. We're going. Why? Because you are instilling value. My concern is that we may have a generation of, of Christian children who the value of education, secular education, has been promoted and, and actually promoted by parents over being in church. You, you think that doesn't say something to your children? It absolutely does. I, you know, I have, a, I have a stuffy nose. I don't, you know, but no, you're going to school because you had a stuffy nose last week too. And you tried the week before, but now I see it. You're going to school. Why? I mean, why would we? I just want my child to choose their own pathway. Do you let them choose their own pathway across the street? I just, I just want my child just to be able to choose. Do you let your child choose what they're going to have for dinner? Church, come on. We, we, we've got to put this in the right perspective. God needs us. You don't do it meanly. You don't do it angrily. You do it happily. No, this is what we do. For my house, we're the kings, what do we do? We go to church, why? Because we're a part of a church. They're my people, my family. I love them. We all need Jesus together. Come on, let's hang out and worship God together. That's what it's about. So the question is this, and I'll close this out. The question is this. Why has that belief system made its way into the church? It's indoctrination. Why has the value of God's word been corrupted slowly in, the, in our lives, in our hearts, and what we stood for 10 years ago, we compromised, why? Indoctrination. Moms, dads, it's time. Live the life of integrity so that you can be a blessing to your family. Live that life. And so how do we take the steps towards it? Number one, we are brutally honest about the current status of our integrity. Just be honest. 
Listen, the word of God cuts us, shapes us, forms us. Why? So we can say, huh, it's like a mirror. You look at it, ah, I need to work on it. Lord, help me on that. Be brutally honest. Number two, once you are, take full responsibility in the areas that you're lacking in integrity. Take full, don't blame it, don't spin it. That's on me, that's on me. Ask God to forgive you, repent. That's what followers of Jesus do, we repent. And then we keep following Jesus. We're grateful for his forgiveness. But this is something you must remember, number three. Remember, integrity is impossible without a life anchored to God and his word. It's impossible. You can't do it on your own will. <laughs> Trust me, I've tried. It doesn't work. God invites you to be in his word, to have a relationship with him just like Daniel. It's time, church. God wants to use you. And he wants to restore what enemy's culture has cultivated in your homes, even in our churches, in our schools. There is an all-out war against your life, against your grandchildren. But here's the great thing. When you live a life of integrity, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. Let's pray. Father, today we commit our lives to you. We thank you for your word that challenges us. We submit to you and for you. We give you our lives. And today we realign ourselves with your word, not out of legalistic, not out of legalism, but out of our love and desire to live lives of integrity. So Lord, today, we just confess to you the areas of our lives that need to be realigned. We say yes to you. We ask you, God, that you would make us Daniels to stand. Lord, bless our families. Lead and guide them. Every single one of us, God, I know in this room has areas that the Lord's dealing with. And so we just say yes. One, you're dealing with them in our lives because we're we're your children. We belong to your kingdom. And you're committed to conform us so that we can reap the blessing of an integritous life. We can reap the blessing of putting the kingdom first. So, Lord, we give you our lives today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for cleansing. Lord, today, we submit our children to you. We bind every strategy of the enemy over their minds. We unwind the lie. We cut it out at the root. And Lord, I thank you that you are moving in a new generation to propagate your kingdom and your purposes in the spirit of love and the spirit of you, Jesus. We give you our lives today. Just remain with the heads bowed for a moment. If you're here and you would say, you know what, Jason, I don't know Jesus. Or if you're here and you would say, I realize I have been deceived by the culture. I have been deceived. I have been seduced and I just realized it. 
the scales just fell off my eyes. If you either want to give your life to Jesus or you want to just acknowledge that you are going to realign your life effectively with God. Nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand right now. It's a sign of submission to God. God bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Amen. Bless you, bless you. Amen. God bless you. You can put your hands down. God bless you. We're going to pray a prayer together as a church. And we're going to believe that God is going to do something brand new in our lives. Church, let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I submit myself to you and I submit myself to your word. This day, I choose to follow you. This day, I choose to function from your kingdom. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my mind. Give me a new start today. Open doors that only you can open. Show favor on my life as I stand in integrity. I receive all that you have for me. And from this day forward, with your help, I will be a Daniel. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a hand today. Amen. I love you all. Let's all stand to our feet. So appreciate your patience with this long-winded preacher sometimes. I love you. I want God's best for you. And I know who has it. It's God and it's his word. And that's what I want for you. If you can't just lift your hands, I'd love to pray for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless our people. Restore to them everything the enemy has taken from them. God, I pray today that you would unwind every lie that the enemy has told them. May they walk in confidence and integrity from this moment forward. God, may you begin to show them all the areas of their life that you are just wanting them to take steps forward in integrity. And by doing that, God, I thank you. You're going to bless them. You're going to open doors. You're going to show favor. Some are going to be persecuted, but God, you are always going to come through and you're going to meet them right where they are. God, bless their relationships, their children. Bless their jobs. Bless them financially. May we as a church continue to put your kingdom first so that all these things will be added to us as well. Guide us and lead us. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen.